was the biggest release you could ever imagine. It was like someone had just sliced the top of my head off and let all the steam out. It was a wonderful feeling, but terrifying at the same time because everybody knew my secret. I, my heart was just popping out of my chest. I had butterflies, there was pain in my stomach, but also a, a joy and uh, an electricity that was going around. So it was very mixed emotions at the time. Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where people tell me, Johnny Harvey, their coming out stories. And this week's guest is Robin Windsor. If ever the expression born to do it was applicable to anyone, it would certainly be Robin. Dancing since the age of three, he has represented England in ballroom and Latin dance on both national and international levels. He became England's number one ballroom dancer as a teenager in the under 16s category. He then spent 10 years touring the world as part of Burn the Floor, one of the leading ballroom dance shows ever. And Robin followed all these achievements with his biggest gig to date when he was cast as a professional dancer on BBC's Strictly Come Dancing in 2010. He retired from dancing in 2018, but who knows what the future holds. I can't say anymore, I have been sworn to secrecy. The interview was recorded remotely, of course, and we chatted about why he felt like the real life Billy Elliot growing up, how all his school friends were really supportive of his dancing, having Keanu Reeves posters on his wall as a teenager, his fascination with Icelandic male dancers, which first made him think he might be gay, the moment he came out to his friends on a dance trip abroad, why he didn't come out to his mother until he was 35, and lots of other things. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at I'm Coming Out Pod for episode updates. And if you have any feedback for me on any episodes or if you have any suggestions for the show, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at johnny at imcomingoutpod.com. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a rating, review and subscribe as it really helps me and other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. Robin, let's start at the very beginning. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and where you grew up? Well, despite the um, Australian accent that I have, I'm actually from Ipswich. uh, (laughs) And uh, I grew up there, I was born there and I started to dance at three years old. My parents used to teach in the local dance school and uh, I was always there and they caught me wiggling my hips in the mirror at three years old and they said, would you like a dance lesson? And I said, yes, and the rest is sort of history, really. I'm still wiggling them now at 41. So you were born to do it? Absolutely. My my mum, my dad, my sister, they they all did ballroom dancing. Um, I was the one that sort of carried it on. I fell in love with it. I knew that I, I loved moving to music. I didn't really mind what sort of music it was, but I just happened to be in a ballroom environment. So that's the direction that I took. But I was always going to be a dancer. And it's great having something like that, an anchor throughout your whole life that you can always go to and just having something like that there. Yeah, I mean, um, it was about 20 minutes walk from where I used to live. I'd go to school every day, but a, a bit like Billy Elliot, as when I finished school, I'd go straight down the dance school and I'd be there practicing my rumble walks for hours on end. And I was just mesmerized by 
by the music and what it can do to your body. My English geography isn't great, so Ipswich is that Norfolk? Ipswich or is in East Anglia, near, uh, near Nor Suffolk. Suffolk, yes. Oh, okay, so it's really beautiful countryside there, isn't it? It's stunning if you live out in the countryside, but I lived right in the middle of Ipswich, so not so pretty. <laughs> okay, and so you say there that you were quite like a real life Billy Elliot. So how did your peers respond to that? when you were growing up do you know i was really really fortunate um i was in the paper a lot because i was winning competitions and things i'd take my trophies into school and things like that and at primary school that's just sort of like the norm for everybody that does their their bits that they do at high school i was a little bit hesitant because um i used to have to go to where i wear a lot of fake tan to do the competitions and on a monday i'd go with a bright orange face to school and that could be quite daunting but I never got picked on or anything, not once in my entirety of high school. Nothing was ever said uh, uh, that was bad. And I couldn't believe how lucky I was because so many of the boys that I knew that danced across the country, they were bullied for being a ballroom dancer. Mm. And my school, everybody, they got behind me. I'd come into school, um, even the sort of like more naughtier boys and things like that that, uh, that you'd expect to get uh, ribbed, of, ribbed for ballroom dancing they would just say oh how was your competition so I'm completely blessed and very thankful to uh, Copleston High School for being so supportive because that's what kept me going all the way through that's really great to hear that's incredible and it's so great to hear that you had such a clear sense of your own identity from from such a young age as well so Robin what was your oh yeah that just popped in my head as well I had some real fake tan mishaps in secondary school as well but it wasn't because I was doing dance competitions I didn't have that excuse but um yeah yeah I had some they're just springing back in my memory now so uh Robin can you tell me what was your awareness of homosexuality when you were growing up as a kid? Um, I was probably seven the first time that I, I, I knew something was different. We had, uh, uh, we twinned our dance school in Ipswich with one in Iceland and the dance school came over from Iceland and I, I was infatuated by one of the dancers. Now, I didn't know why I was too young to really understand, but I was just infatuated by him. And I didn't know why. I just, everything he did, I was just like, you know, almost like that sort of infatuation you can get over a movie star or something. And Mm. um, that was that. And I let that go. And then I just sort of started to realise that I wasn't necessarily attracted to boys, but I just felt something. And I didn't know what it was because it was an early stage of my life. And then it was about, I must have been 11 or 12 and another set of the Icelandic dancers had come over and I realised what it meant to feel something for somebody. Again, I wasn't too sure on on what my sexuality was. I just knew that I liked boys more than girls and I couldn't quite really put my finger on it. Um, It wasn't until I was about 13 when you sort of really hit puberty that... I started to realise that I was gay, but it was back in the very early 90s and it was still something that was very, very difficult to be able to accept because back then we're still pushed as to say you're supposed to marry a girl and have children and a family and everything like that. So I kept it to myself for many, many years. 
And I mean, I was quite fortunate. If you're in a ballroom dancing world, there's a lot of gay people around. So I'd always felt comfortable and I could be a little effeminate here and there. But it was sort of people, I guess, would just say, well, he's just a dancer. So no one, no one ever really put two and two together. Um, and I kept that going for quite a long time. And I threw all my energy into my dancing. I, I knew that I wanted to leave Ipswich and I wanted to move to London. That was my dream. So I knew that if I worked really hard and I became the best that I could be, I would be able to move to London. And uh, after a lot of hard work, I became England's number one ballroom dancer in under 16s. Wow. And I knew that that's, that was my opportunity to be able to head to London. So it started to, your feelings started to crystallise around when you entered puberty then I guess like a lot of gay people it started to make some sense then yeah I I guess with a a lot a lot of people when you start to get sort of I guess sexual feelings towards other people mine were towards boys and not girls but um I mean I had posters of Keanu Reeves up on on my um on my bedroom wall but didn't think anything of it at the time Uh, and I'm pretty sure I mean my my family can't have been completely blind they must have realized but uh skipping forward a very long way I didn't actually come out to my mother till I was 35. But what was your awareness though like as a child did you did you know what it meant to be gay or did people were you aware of it in your wider world? I knew that uh, a couple of the dance teachers were gay at the dance school I didn't really Mm. think much about it we weren't I mean, sex education back at school in my day was very far and few in between back then anyway. But again, it was all pushed towards same uh, uh, opposite sex couples because, of course, there was Section 28. We weren't allowed to learn anything yeah. about being gay, anything like that. And that, that really hindered, I think, me in being able to understand who I was. If I was able to learn about it, it would have made things a lot easier for me. And, and so as a result, I just put it all to the back of my head, blocked it out and just carried on with my life. Mm. So you're around the same age as me. So around that time in the sort of early 90s, there was a huge amount of homophobia in the media, the in the British media particularly. Was that something that you were aware of? No, not really. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, dancing was my life and I just threw myself into that. Um, I didn't read the newspapers. I did have a newspaper round and I used to deliver newspapers, but I never used to yeah. really read them. I didn't watch the news. I was blissfully unaware of everything that was going on. Um, I mean, now I've done a lot of research and things and gone back and seen what was going on at the time. And it was actually awful. And I, I think, I guess I'm lucky that I didn't see all of that at the time because it would have put me into probably quite a bad state. And there was virtually no representation at the time. There was very few people who were openly gay in the public eye. Yeah, um, I, we've always just, there were just like a, a handful of, uh, let's say, gay celebrities that were out there. And um, I didn't really have anybody like that to look up to. I looked up to my dance teacher. My dance teacher for me was my life. I looked up to him. I adored him. Uh, he he was the one that was making me into the dancer that I, I was becoming. And my idols and everything came from the, the, the top professional dancers. So did you go through a long questioning period with your sexuality? No. Um, I, once I knew, I knew. Uh, and I'm, I think I was 100% sure by the time I was at high school. And I just kept it with me. I hid it. 
because it was I didn't know how to tell anybody and I didn't know what to do about it, even though I was in uh, uh, an environment which would have been completely fine for me to come out in the dance world. But it was that time and I didn't feel comfortable and I also felt it was wrong. So they were just feelings that I put to the back of my head and I threw all my emotion and all my energy and any any feeling that I had, I threw it into my dancing. As a result, it's what made me a good dancer because there was always that emotion um, while I was dancing and that's everything that had built up in my head. So it's great that you had a positive outlet for all that tension and for stress. You could channel it in a positive way. Exactly. Uh, it was such a great thing to be able to have. I don't know what I would have done without it. And so you were pretty accepting of being gay or am I right in saying that or was it something that you ever fought against at any point? I never fought against it. I just accepted it, but put it to the back of my head. I, I, I'd always had a sense of wanting to find love, but my love became my dancing. And I, w- I would look at guys at school and things. And of course, you get these things go through your head. And I remember mm. uh, my dance yeah. partner when I was 15, she lived in Southampton. And on a Friday afternoon, I would get on a train and go to Liverpool Street and travel across London on my own. But at Liverpool Street, I'd go into WH Smith and I'd look at the magazines on the shelf and walk around for about 10 minutes till I had the guts to be able to buy a Gay Times just so that I could sit, yeah. and read, sit and read it on the, on the tube. And so you, you travel from Ipswich to Southampton? Yes, every Friday afternoon and every Monday morning I would come back so that I could train with my dance partner in Southampton. Wow, that is dedication. So that is a really long journey. How do you make that? So you got you get into Liverpool Street and then you have to go to like Victoria or Waterloo. Um, yeah, to Waterloo. So I, I'd, I'd always remember getting into Liverpool Street, taking the tube to Bank and then to the Bank to Waterloo train and then straight down to Southampton and her, her parents would pick me up the other side. Um, wow, that, uh, that, that's incredible. That wouldn't be able to happen now because the school, schools would never let you have that time off. But back then, it was okay, and the teachers gave me work to do. And as long as I did it on the train, they were completely happy. That is serious dedication. So you mentioned there earlier about Keanu Reeves being a sort of, I guess you had a poster of him on your wall. So this is my favourite question. I ask nearly everyone this. So I'm really determined to make up for all the time growing up when I couldn't speak about boys I fancied. So who <laughs> were who were your secret teen gay crushes when you were growing up? Who did you really fancy? Oh, gosh. Jordan Knight from, um, oh, what's the band called? New Kids um, on the Block. New Kids on the Block, that's the one. <laughs> um, and then um, the poster that I had on my bedroom wall was uh, the poster of Point Break, and it was Keanu Reeves. I think it's Brad Pitt's the other one. And they've got water all over them, and I was uh, they were like my little dreamies. Uh, then there was Mark Owen. Um, all, oh. all, of the, all, of those, <laughs> all of those sort of boy bands boy band types there was always one in every band you must have met mark Owen by now do you know what no i haven't no oh. that's um <laughs> maybe that's a good thing i don't know uh and jason donovan when i was uh and this is quite a funny one jason donovan when i was young when i was younger watching neighbors i absolutely adored him and then of course he did strictly on my second year and i had i've met loads of people and i don't get flustered or anything like that but when they said that Jason Donovan was doing the show, <laughs> the first time I met him, I just blushed because I'd think back to my childhood. 
but he was an absolutely lovely guy. In the especially for you video, I was not looking at Kylie. I just couldn't take my eyes off Jason. But obviously at that time, I didn't know what that was. But that's very nice to hear that Jason was was is lovely in person. So how did you, Robin, go about the coming out process? Um, there were five couples, five youth couples, uh, which are under 21s in uh, a ballroom dancing world. Um, that were selected to go to the Dutch Open competition, which was in Slagaharen in uh, in Holland, obviously. And once the competition had finished, all of the, the couples that had come from the UK, we were in one of the chalets that we had, and we were playing a, a game of truth or dare with lots of alcohol. And there were lots of questions put towards me they wanted me to come out basically they were just trying to test the water and I, I got so upset over one of the questions I just ran out the room um, and started just to cry outside and it's in the middle of November it was freezing and I remember not having a shirt on and um, one of the other guys came out and he was like Robin it's okay it's okay it's okay we're really sorry I know we all know it's fine. You've got nothing to worry about. And I remember he took his jacket off and put it around me because I was shivering. Um, and I, oh. I was so embarrassed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just awful. Um, and at the time, it seemed like the biggest thing in the whole wide world. Um, and I came back in. I just remember walking past everybody and just went straight up to bed. Didn't say a word to anyone. And the next day we left and we had to get on the coach. And I remember just getting on the coach and sitting there. And to, I didn't say a word to anybody. And then uh, we got back to the UK. And that's where, because I told people for the first time, or that or one person, I, I'd actually said those, to actually say those words, I'm gay. Once you've said it once, it's even though I was so upset about it, it was the biggest release in my head that I'd ever had. And I, I couldn't believe that I'd actually said it. And then slowly but surely, other people, then they started to tell other people for me within the dance world. So I didn't really have to do anything else. I, it was just become something that was just accepted. And and people mm. that I know in the dance world would just go, oh, is everything all right? How are you going? I, I hope you do. If there's anything you need. And I could tell that everybody had obviously, the word spread like wildfire. And then it was all good. I had this world that I was in where everybody was accepting of me because because in that world, no one's not going to be accepting of you. And I was able to carry on my life. I moved myself to London and I was dancing and I was happy. I didn't have a boyfriend. I still hadn't had sex with a man uh, or a woman for that fact, but uh, I still hadn't had sex at all. And um, I was 18 years old at that point. And all I wanted to do still was dance, but I felt very much happier boy because I was being able to lead a life I wanted to. So just for some context, so you were in Switzerland in this chalet. And so, sorry, what was the question that they asked? What was the group discussion about? I can't remember. It was, um, it was in, it was in Holland. Um, and I can't remember. It was a game of truth or it was a game of truth or dare. I can't really remember what, exactly what they said it's something to do with did I fancy someone or a girl or something like that and then it built up and they were asking more in-depth questions about girls and I got all frustrated and that's when I ran out 
Okay, so that triggered it. And it triggered all this well of emotion that you've been holding on to for years and years and years. Uh, it was the biggest release you could ever imagine. It was like someone had just sliced the top of my head off and let all the steam out. It was, oh. it was, it was a wonderful feeling, but terrifying at the same time because everybody yeah. knew my secret, which they already knew in the first place. Yeah, it's like your your adrenaline is really pumping in that moment, isn't it? Oh, I could. I, my heart was just popping out of my chest. I had butterflies. There was pain in my stomach, but also. Um, a joy and uh, an electricity that was going around. So it was very mixed emotions at the time, but I just carried on as carried on as normal afterwards. But I I hadn't told my family. So I was living two different lives. I had my dance life and my life in London and my family life back in Ipswich, which were two completely different things. You came out to friends and you came out professionally first. So how long did you, as you mentioned there, did you live that double life? And how did you go about coming out to your family? Well, I must have been a 19, nine, around 19 years old. Uh, I met a guy in London, uh, my first sort of boyfriend. And uh, I went home for Christmas that year and he'd given me some pre well, quite a few presents and I put them all under the tree and my nephew handed them all out one at a time. Oh, this one's for Robin from, for uncle Robin from Martin. This one's for uncle Robin from Martin. And my sister's like, who's Martin? And, oh. uh, I was like, just gave her a really funny look. And, um, she said to me, she goes, I know who he is. I said, do you know? She said, yeah. She said, but it's fine, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. And that was that's how it worked with my sister. And my sister's been called the whole time. And um, she never said anything to my parents because, of course, it was up to me to say something. But she taught my nephew mm. that um, Uncle Robin likes boys. He doesn't like girls. And he was really cool with it as well. And because my nephews were brought up like that, they're completely accustomed to gay couples and same-sex couples and uh, and don't have any problem which I think is great and everybody should be teaching their kid that. So what were your fears around coming out? Or to my parents? Or just in general what were um, some of the fears that you had? Um, I look back now and um, I didn't need to have any fears but I think my my, my fear was just people knowing um, because I, I felt different. I did. I felt like I wasn't who I was supposed to be. Uh, when it came to my family, it was the, obviously it's the fear of rejection. That's the one big fear that every single person mm. would have is is to be rejected. But I, I don't. I look back now and I think there was no reason to be fearful. It, I think it was just it was because I felt it was wrong and I'd been brought up to almost feel it was wrong, not by my parents, but things that were on TV, like I remember my father used to be, used to make comments about the odd gay person that was on television and say things. And to me, that stuck with me forever because mm. it was, it made me feel like it was wrong. And he was only saying something in jest perhaps, but that would stick with me forever. Yeah. Your parents are like gods when you're growing up and you really take everything they say, you really internalize it and take, make it personal. 
so both your parents were dance teachers, so they must have been had a lot of gay colleagues and gay friends. Yeah, they they were both dance teachers, but then they they just taught very socially. So it was more of a at the dance school. They sort of like taught along with the married couples and things like that. They didn't really have much association with the uh, uh, the any of the gay people that were at the the dance studio. So, Robin, how did you go about coming out to the rest of your family? Well, I didn't really. Um, I I took a job. I was very lucky. Um, I mean, I was living in London, as I said, and I split up with my dance partner and I got myself into a huge amount of debt and all sorts. And I actually had to stop dancing. But I was living in London, a 20 year old boy uh, living in London with everything being there. And you can get very swept up in London into Mm. the wrong environment, which I did. Um, And I was very lucky that I a year later, I ran into my dance partner again and uh, she said, are you okay? Because I'd lost a lot of weight. And she took me down to live with her parents in Southampton permanently. And I took a job at John Lewis. And I, I thanked them for sort of rescuing me. We were going to go and work on the cruise ships together. Um, but the day we sent off the VHSs, because it was that long ago for our audition tapes, um, we got a phone call from a dance show called Burn the Floor and asked us to join. And off I went around the world for 10 years. Uh, on a world tour, a continual wow. world tour. So if it wasn't for that moment of meeting Coralie again outside Topshop on Oxford Street, which was like a million to one chance because she lived in Southampton, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Uh, so I went to join Burn the Floor, like really traveling the world for the first time, really came out of my shell. I became the person that I wanted to be. Being in Burn the Floor, because I was a very shy, quiet boy, brought out this other side of me as the performer and they became my second family and I had various boyfriends in the show over the years and was living the life that I wanted to be wanted to have and I got to see gay culture all across the world uh, which was absolutely wonderful and every time we'd come home on a break I'd go home to see my family and I had to have put special folders of all the photos so that they didn't see me with any of the boys Uh, so I had to Mm. keep that quiet and I, I, I never suspected that they knew for one second. And one day I came home. I was home for six months and I met a guy called Alejandro. And uh, we'd been on holiday and I went home to tell, tell my mum that I'd been on holiday and blah, 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 blah. And I'd sorted all the pictures out, but I'd forgotten to change my screensaver. So I opened my laptop and there's a picture of me with my arms around this guy and I just slammed it shut again. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Nothing was ever said. And we just left it at that. And uh, it wasn't until I was actually 35. So I, even after I'd been on a couple of covers of the Gay Times, which my mother had seen, it wasn't until I was 35 that I got engaged to a guy called Davide in a helicopter above the Statue of Liberty. Um, wow. Now, now um because I had been on strict or was on strictly at the time, the Daily Mirror were reporting that I was uh, had got engaged. So as soon as we came down out of that helicopter, I had to call my mother and say, "Mum, I have something to tell you." I said, "I've just got engaged," and she went, "Oh my God, that's absolutely wonderful!" And then she went, "Who too?" <laughs> and I went, <laughs> um, "I said, do you remember I came home with Haley, who's my sister, a few weeks ago, and my friend Davide came." And she said, yes, yes. I said, it's him. And there was silence on the phone. And I thought it felt like about an hour. 
it was probably about 20 seconds. And after it, she went, that's wonderful. She went, tell me all about it. What happened? What's happened? And I, I wish I'd done that 20 years ago because my mother was great and she was, and my stepfather, he was great as well. And she just wanted to know everything. And now I can have those conversations with my mother and my two worlds finally came together. I guess one of the reasons you didn't come out to your family, the rest of your family until that point was because you were, your other life really was another life, wasn't it? You were traveling the world. You weren't at home. You weren't seeing your family on a regular basis. It was easier for you to separate those two worlds, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I was gone. I was off in every club and they had, they had my parents, but die if they knew anything that I was getting up to um, across the world but they would they they, they never knew at the time because uh, it is so easy to keep it separate I would always call my mom once a week and tell her where I was and half the things I'd been doing and um, it was great and it's great now to be able to actually tell her all of these these things that go on in my life and so you say there that you travelled all the around the world and you experienced lots of different gay cultures. So which one in particular really stood out or where is your favourite place to go for a good gay scene? Oh my gosh, where do I start? Um, Australia was the first place I went to and the cast were all Australian. This is why I have this weird accent because I travelled with Australians for years. Uh, so going to Sydney was absolutely incredible. Uh, the main ones, really, you've got Sydney, San Francisco, uh, New York were all just amazing, especially for a young guy to be experiencing these things for the first time. And it wasn't until we went to Asia and travelled through that you start to really notice the difference. Like uh, we'd gone to Japan and we were there for a while. There were probably like four or five gay guys in the show. So we'd all, we'd all get into a city. And of course, the first thing we'd all do is find out where the local gay bars are. In Japan, it wasn't quite so easy to find, and it was still, it was a little underground, and it was very strange. And these mm. these these people screaming out to want to be who they are, but in, in Japan, and then it was it's still very frowned upon. Uh, things are different now, but these guys are all in just like tiny little bars that would only hold like five or six people, and uh, uh, things like that. And it, it was very strange. In some places, you just you learn when you're traveling where you can be affectionate and where you can't and it is quite an eye-opener in some of the places especially through through Asia at that time because it was just in the early 2000s yeah I imagine in Japan it's still quite secretive and underground yes yeah um in quite a lot of Asia uh Korea was the same and the, the more western western side of the world it was absolutely fine but it was across Asia you did really notice that difference. They are a little bit, uh, what's the word? Uh, they, they are still having to hide it. And now from talking about traveling the world with Burn the Floor, let's just talk a little bit about Strictly. So you were on one of the biggest shows on TV for a number of years, and obviously you were very, very high profile. So did you ever encounter any homophobia from the public? No, not one little bit. I, I think I'm probably the most fortunate person, fortunate gay person in the world. I have only ever had one incident where I suffered homophobia, and that was actually in Dublin. Oh, um, really? Yes, on one of my tours. And 
I've oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, he was an absolute tool. <laughs> and, uh, right. You know I'm Irish, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no that's fine. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, that's the only time that I've ever happened. It was just one person, and he was being vicious. I We'd been out, and I'd had a lot to drink. We'd been out, and I'd gone, just popped into Burger King on the way uh, back to the apartment we were staying, and outside, he was really going for it at me. And he went to hit me because I start because oh, I would really? never I would never stand for it. So I started okay. back at I started back at him, and he went because he was so hammered. He went to hit me. I ducked and I just smacked him in the face, and he fell backwards, and um, just that was it. I ran off and I was freaked out because I've never hit anybody in my whole life. Oh really? So that was just what my one incident in forty one years, and that I am ridiculously thankful for because. Living in central London, being on, on television, being on the covers of Gay Times and things like that, you are. I was put out there. Uh, when I started Strictly, I didn't reveal my sexuality. I didn't think it was necessary. And I just was wanted to be who I was. I was just being me. And what people thought of me I, didn't really matter. But no one had a problem, which is, I think is kind of wonderful, really. That's really good to hear that you've experienced very very little homophobia off the back of being on a a really big tv show but i'm so sorry to hear that the one experience you had was in dublin i know i'm sorry it was just a, it's no just it's fine don't worry <laughs> i've had a bit in dublin from like people i've never yeah i've had a bit but then i never respond i'm always too worried about how it would escalate like i've heard the pejorative terms but i've experienced lo- loads of homophobia growing up in ireland from people i know so i mean that's i totally understand well i guess uh, for you of course it's a very catholic country so you yeah. are uh, it, it is very different there so you're, you're going to experience that and it'd be obviously a lot harder to to come out and things like that when you're in that sort of when there's religion involved it's always really tough but i've i, I was just so lucky um but I'm a, I'm a big guy and I don't necessarily know my own strength. So um, if anybody was to ever go for me, I'd probably go for them back twice as much. And I don't realise it until that anger's built up inside of me. And did that guy, did he recognise you off the television? No. No, okay. No. But it, it was it was, it was was very strange. I mean, when I, when I started to do Strictly, I knew that um, when I danced with Patsy Kensett, who was my first partner... I, I found out later that she had requested to dance with a, a gay guy because she'd just come out of her fourth marriage and she didn't want the press doing that whole, oh, is that, is oh, that husband yeah. number five on the cars and all of that sort of stuff. And, and, and the BBC never, ever, ever once asked if I was gay. I mean, it's quite blatantly obvious when I was in the interview and clutching my pearls and doing all my little hand gestures and things like that. And I think I'd said a couple of things about a partner or a boyfriend or something like that. And I think that that ticked it, ticked the box for them to say, okay, he'll be good for Patsy because we'd love her on the show, but we understand why she'd probably want to dance with somewhere where there's going to be no chemistry like that. And my final question for you, Robin, what advice would you have now for your younger 15 year old self so if you had a time machine and can go back for a couple of hours what would you say to your younger self oh just tell everyone but again 
I was very fortunate that I was in an environment that when I did tell everybody, it was totally fine. But some people I know that are in environments where they can't tell the people that they want to tell. I mm. wish I'd spoken out sooner and and loved myself a little bit more. But if you're struggling to come out somewhere, you need to find your confident confidant tell one person one person that you can trust and that you know will be fine and you'll be safe and happy from there and i, I wish i told everybody a lot earlier especially my mum mm. uh, yeah. the one the one the one person i wish i told was my mum because the last 15 years would have been completely different as far as our relationship was concerned it's always with the benefit of hindsight now you can look back and say oh if only but yeah yeah, the the best thing you can ever do is 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 come out because you again, like I said, it's that release. I've got a friend who has a, a son, and he's just come out to her, and she's the most, I say, gay friendly. Um, she she would have been absolutely fine, and he knew that, and but he was still scared of the rejection, and everybody mm. is, and everyone will always be because we're still considered to be different. It's still, unfortunately, it is still necessary in society for most people to to come out. But you made a really great point there about if you can try and find a confidant or a sounding board or someone you can go to and talk to about it. Or even even call call a helpline and speak to somebody. And just to, so that you can get it out, those say those words that I'm gay or I'm trans or I'm I'm, I'm or whoever you want to be, um, you say I am and get it out to somebody. The first time that you say it to someone will be a huge release. And if you're in an mm-hmm. environment where you can't do that, have somebody on a helpline that you can speak to and that can can guide you through these things. No, that's very very good advice. Very good advice. Very wise words indeed, Robin. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. And, oh God, I have to let you go. It's 11. I forgot. Sorry, you That's need to go okay. right now. That's okay. No, you're all right. Um, uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to keep an eye out for all of your future projects and best to look with all of your dancing and everything. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.